Alright, so today we're going to be on uh, Lesson 7 of our Nehemiah, of the book of Nehemiah, which we call the Jerusalem Project. And uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 6. So let me just review a little bit of chapter 5 that we were at last week. On your handout there, I put, When taunts and sneers fail, taunts become threats, and sneers become plots. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And so the enemy's actions so far in the book of Nehemiah that we've seen from chapter 2 through chapter 4, number 1, they were grieved about a man seeking the Jews' welfare in chapter 2 and verse 10. Now think about that for a minute. Here's a group of people that are upset that a group from Persia comes in and just wants to know the welfare of the Jewish people. That shouldn't upset anybody, should it? Apparently, it got these guys' attention. Number two, they started off by being scornful and laughing at this group. In chapter 2.19, then it went to being mad and mocking. And then finally, they got to be very mad. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. And then at number 5 there, they got to the point where they were ready to fight and hinder the project. And again, I want you guys to remember they had written orders from uh, from Artaxerxes who was in charge of the whole world at that time for everyone to allow them to get to Jerusalem, Nehemiah specifically and his group, to, to build the walls the way he wanted them. And they had permission to get lumber. They had permission for protection. They had everything they needed from the king. And yet, there's a group of people that's working behind the scenes to oppose them. And of course, we call them what? Enemies. The enemies. Today, we would call them Palestinians because it's kind of the same thing. We saw We saw how it worked because it's the same group. It's the same group. It listed Moabites, Ammonites. It, it listed uh, some Samaritans in the group. And there's an Arabian guy in the group. And it's the same enemies that Israel has then, has today. So we saw that. And we saw also in chapter 5, we, we dealt... We took a break from the guys on the outside and started dealing with some people on the inside that was causing problems. Remember, they uh, there was a, a famine in the land... And yet the people were, uh, they were having to mortgage their property to buy food and then they were losing that property and they were selling their kids into slavery, slavery and, and that all came about to, uh, Nehemiah's concern and he's like, wait a minute guys, we have got to stop this. And he goes, now we went out and we, we bought back the people that were sold into bondage to the heathens. And now I'm finding out that you guys are doing it among yourselves. He goes, this is not good. So he took care of that problem. And so now we're in chapter 6. And we're going to deal with both problems. <laughs> we're going to deal with problems from the outside and problems from the inside. And then we even see that they get combined. So just when you think you're, you're nipping it in the bud, like Barney Five used to say on Mayberry, right? You know, nip that in the bud. Just when Nehemiah keeps coming up with a solution to every problem, they just keep multiplying. And that's kind of how it is in leadership. It's like, okay, just when you get one problem done, you think, oh, wow, I can just coast for a while. Well, you would think that, but it doesn't happen that way. So we're going to look at chapter 6 of what takes place because God's people always has enemies and the enemy never stops. The enemy will never stop. We have an enemy, right? 
Who's our enemy? Satan. Satan. He will never stop until Christ comes back and takes over the kingdom. He is he is there for the long count. And and you kind of wonder, well, does he know he's going to lose? And I actually think he does. He knows he can't win, but you know his attitude is, I'm going to take as many people with me to hell as I can. And that's the God of this world right now. That's his attitude. He's come to kill and destroy everything that he can. And he'll try to stop us as being Christians. And so we see some uh, some uh, correlations between the people of Nehemiah and us today. So if you got your, your Bible open up to Nehemiah chapter 6, let's read that and we're going to back up and kind of unpack it a little bit. It says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian... And the rest of our enemies, so it's a combined effort here, guys. They heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Because remember the last time we were in the chapter, they had got the walls how high? I'm painted. They were halfway up. And so they were all getting connected. Okay. And so when they heard that it was getting connected... Uh, it says, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some uh, one of the villages in the plain of Ono, that they, but they thought to do me mischief. Verse 3, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it, and yet come down to you? Yet they sent on me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written. He wants to make sure everybody knows what's in the letter. The first time he got to thinking about this, and he's like, well, the letter is getting to Nehemiah, and he's probably just reading it by himself. But you know what? Uh, we want to cause a little more stir. Let's just send an open letter and let our guy read it. Kind of like uh, the guy on the wall back in uh, Jerusalem when they came to take it by force when uh, Nebuchadnezzar sent his team in and the guy's on the outside and he's talking to the guys on the wall and he's telling them what they want to surrender and do this and what he's going to do if he doesn't or, he, or they do. And the guy's on the wall, wait a minute. Speak to us in the, don't speak to us in the Jews language. We know your language. What'd the guy do? He didn't. He kept speaking the Jews language because he was wanting to cause an effect on these people. Same way with this open letter. It says, so, verse six, wherein it was reported, is that where I stopped off? <coughs> okay. Wherein it was reported, it was written, it is reported among the heathen. And Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. Okay? And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king, according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Very, you think that's a nice letter? <laughs> He's starting to accuse them again, just like we saw back in chapter 2. He's like, you guys are just doing this because you want to rebel against the king. And number two, you're wanting to do it so you can play king. Uh, Nehemiah, who do you think you are? You know, that's the attitude that's coming. 
Verse 8, let's see what he says. Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward I came into the house of Shemiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up. Now I was trying to read this earlier this week, and I'm going through this, and I'm like, what does that mean he's actually shut up? And I saw a place where Jeremiah was shut up. He's actually in prison. So I don't know what exactly is going on here. I could not figure that out. But somehow this guy's shut up. He's maybe maybe health reasons. Uh, I don't know why. And he said, "Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night they will come to slay thee." And I said, "Should such a man as I flee?" And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. you got to remember, this guy's on the inside. This is a Jewish man now that wants to meet, and they want to meet in the temple instead of a far-off city. Different, uh, different day. Uh, different town, same thing. Okay. Alright, verse 13. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin that they might have matter for evil of an evil report that they might reproach me. My God, think upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these works and on their prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Verse 15, so the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month Elul in the fifty and fifty and two days. So fifty-two days this wall was built. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was the rod of our God. Let me say that again. These are the enemies. For they perceived that this work, that the walls being rebuilt, was the was wrought of our God. Verse 17. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. You got to remember who's Tobiah. He's an enemy. He's one of Sanballat's. He's his servant. He's one of those guys. Verse 18, For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. So let's back up and look at this because there's some interesting things going on in this chapter. So, uh, in verses, uh, 1 through 19, we, we are still dealing with this chapter in chapter 6 from opposition from without. And they proposed to have a meeting. Okay? And they said, uh, verse 2, it says, 
that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. So basically what these guys are doing, you have in your handout, um, let me give you the first blank that's in your handout. It was back up number one uh, under the enemy's actions. Being grieved about a man seeking the Jews' welfare. Welfare goes in your blank if you're taking notes. I just find that very interesting. You hear of a group of people that are upset because somebody's checking on the welfare of someone else. Now, what kind of person does that? An evil person. That's what kind of person does that. Okay, so the next blank that you have, uh, the opposition from without down in the page number one is a peace meeting. Peace goes in your blank. So he says here, he goes, hey, let's meet together and have a peace meeting. How many times have you heard that in history? Hey guys, let's get to, hey Israelites, we want to meet with you to have a peace meeting. And we want it in this certain city outside of your jurisdiction. You know, I kind of had that same thing happen to me when I was about seventh grade. Roger? Going on right now. Yeah, same thing, right? They launched their attack and killed all those people in Israel and then immediately called for a ceasefire. Yeah. Or let's have a peace, let's, let's get together and ha- talk about a peace meeting after we just killed a bunch of your people, right? I had the same thing happen to me when I was in seventh grade. Somehow, so this guy challenged me to meet him down behind Velvet Freeze, which was a, uh, ice cream place in the shopping center by my house at 5 o'clock because he wanted to have a peace meeting with me. (laughs) And I'm like, now I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm thinking, I don't think so. (laughs) And I'm like, you want me to come to Velvet Freeze so you and all your buddies can have a peace meeting with me. Uh Uh-uh. Not going to happen. And I don't know what happened, how that happened, but you know, you're the little short kid at school. Everybody else wants to pick on you, you know. And so I'm sure something happened, but I'm like, um, no, I don't have to think about this. I'm not going to be there. And, and Nehemiah's the same way. He didn't even have to think about it. He's like, uh, yeah, uh, my answer to you is no. <laughs> And so there were several times they kept sending a letter to him. How many times, how many of you caught how many times they did that? Four times. Four times they kept repeating. Did they think he was going to get dumber as it went on? I don't know. And, and did you notice uh, this peace meeting? Okay. Um, and like you said, Roger, same thing going on today. They have been doing it all down through history. Let's have a meeting to discuss. Discuss what? We're building a wall here. We're doing a work for God. And if I come down to have a meeting with you guys, the work's going to get stopped. So that was their purpose. And so Nehemiah is just putting it right back at them. And, you know, I've come to find out that, you know, when you have peace meetings with people, they never come out in your favor. So Nehemiah is no. And then, and then we see again, after that doesn't work, we see the accusations being presented again. 
Now, here comes the accusations again. We saw the same thing back in chapter 2 and verse 19, but it comes out again in verses 5 through 7, because 5 through 7 says, And then send Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner, the fifth time with the open letter. I talked about that. Wherein it was written, It is reported among the heathen, Okay, who cares? And Gashemus saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which case thou buildest the wall. Okay, number one. Number two, that thou mayest be their king, according to their words. That was not what was happening. Okay, number one, and I think I've already said this way back at the beginning in Nehemiah, the whole reason that the Jews were carried off to Babylon was because... They had disobeyed God. And God allowed that to happen. So they were, number one, disobedient to God. And that's what put them in exile. God told them how long it would be. Anybody know how long He told them? In Jeremiah, He told them it would be 70 years. 70 years, you get your time out. Now that's a time out. Okay? I don't know if you ever put your kids in a time out. It's been a long time since I had little kids that little. I got, my grandkids are starting to grow, so I don't know. That may pop up again. But 70 years is a long time out. And then God said He would bring them back. And that's what He was been doing. And yet, so this is a work of God, not just the wall, but the people being there and all that. And then these people are, are accusing Nehemiah of saying, who do you think you are? You're doing this on your own. Mm-hmm. Eh, not right. God had sent him back to... Because you want to be king. And then I was like, no, I'm the governor. But <laughs> he had become governor, remember, we talked about, I think, last week. And so uh, Nehemiah goes, no, not, not true. But I, I, I saw your uh, accusations. But let's look at Nehemiah's response to their actions. Well, first of all, what has been, Nehemiah been doing to every problem he's had so far in the book? Okay, I love Nehemiah because as soon as there's a problem, he goes and prays about it. And it's no different in chapter 6. Let's go to verse 3. Let's see if I have the right passage here. Nehemiah's actions. It is more than just praying. Verse 3 says, And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Okay, so that's part of his action. I haven't got quite got to the prayer part yet. But basically, they're telling him, hey, come to this peace meeting. And he says, no, I can't come to your peace meeting because I'm doing a great work for God. Well, that, was that a little bit of a slam back in there? I don't know, but, you know, it probably was if you were them. Go down to verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. So then the second response action that he hid, he goes, Guys, your, your accusations that you had are not true because these are things that are coming from your own heart. You're coming up with this. They're from your side. And then verse 9, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, therefore it uh, be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hand. So there's the prayer. Okay. A lot of the times in Nehemiah going through here, uh, he kind of sneaks his prayers in. And it's like you're looking through it, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He's just talking to God right in the middle of that verse. And so that's happened before, and we'll see it twice, I think, in this chapter. And so his actions are, um, he knew their plan to do mischief. He sent messengers to them to tell them, nope, 
I'm doing a great work, kind of slammed it right back at him. He says, no such things are being done. All the thoughts that you're coming up are you are devising from your heart. And he keeps coming up with going to God in prayer. So go down to verse 14. And again, another place where he's praying. He says, my God, think upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So that's another prayer that's going on, which we haven't even quite got to yet. And so opposition from without, and so he just shuts it down, he goes to the Lord in prayer, and he just keeps moving on. Okay? Well, then we get opposition from within. And we see that in... uh, and the next section here. So let's go down and read that, verses 10 through 11. And I've I've read it, but let me back up and read it again. It says, afterward, verse 10, I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the son of Mehetabil. Actually, I just wanted to read those names again because I'm so good at it. Who was, and I'm butchering them all over. So if you know the correct way, come and tell me afterwards. And who was shut up and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. So now we're getting some opposition from within, and they have the same pitch. Hey, let's have a peace meeting. (laughs) And let's have it instead of an outside city. Let's do it inside Jerusalem and inside the temple. And we can even shut the doors if you're afraid of the people. And Nehemiah's like... um, no. So your blank under A is the temple. So they tried to get him outside of the city. Then then they go, well, let's have a meeting on the inside of the city and let's even put it in the temple. And he's, he's wise to that. And in verses 12 through 14, he says, And lo, I perceive that God had not sent him. Now, is he praying to God this whole time? I'm assuming he is but that he had pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired this guy. So now you got the outside forces hiring some Jewish guys to try to, again, oppose what's going on in Nehemiah. And so his actions was, he he goes, I perceive that God had sent them. Okay? So again, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go. But here was what I want you to point out. Who's the enemy now? The enemy now is not only Sanballat, not only Tobiah, but it's this uh, Shemaiah. Or, uh, let's see here. Let me go back and read this guy's name. Um, yes, Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahitabil, verse 10. He's the mean guy. Then you got a prophetess in this mix. Uh, that I saw here. Um, let me get to the point. Uh, let me get back to where she was. Verse 14. He says, and then he goes back and prays to God. He says, My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat, the early ones that hired them, according to their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So why in the world would any of the so-called prophets and the Jewish people want to put Nehemiah in fear? They want to stop God's work. 
So we're seeing groups from within and group, I mean groups from without and groups from within that want to stop God's work. And so we see that happening physically here, but the same application fits us today and in the things that God is working in our lives to do. Somebody wants to stop us. And so we can kind of, uh, use this, the illustrations that Nehemiah had, even with the situations in our life, when God wants to, to work and do some service and ministry and works for Him, we'll see the same opposition. Maybe not from the same groups, but it will be from without, and it will be from within. Okay? And so, in verses 15 and 16 of Nehemiah 6, we see that the wall's finished. And this just amazes me. So the wall was finished, verse 15, in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elal, in the, in 50 and 2 days. Wow. It took them 52 days to build this wall. Now they've been back in the land for, for tens of years under uh, Zerubbabel and Ezra before Nehemiah came along. Why wasn't the wall built before this? And how did they build it in 52 days? Well, it must have been such an astounding feat that even their enemies looked at it and go, this must be the work of God because this could not have happened if he wasn't in it. Because that's what they say. Uh, at the end of verse 16, it says, And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was the rot of our God. They realized, hey, their, their God is in this. Because there's no way these feeble little Jews could have got this wall done in 52 days. And so, okay, so now you're, you're, uh, you're thinking, okay, so the wall's done, 52 days, everybody n- knew it was a work of God, including the Jewish people. They knew it was the work of God too, because nobody else had got them together to build the walls together and then go through all the problems they had went through to get the walls done. And so they know it's a work of God and even their enemies do. What a testimony. To get the job done. So, you would think the problems would stop, wouldn't you? The wall's built. Okay. But no, uh, on, on number two of your handout, I think at least mine is. It says, so nothing had stopped the building of the wall. It was finished. So the opposition would now stop, right? Wrong. You know, that's when we're attacked most. When we're serving the Lord in, in, in a certain uh, spot and, and whatever you're trying to get done is accomplished, that's when Satan really pours it on. And so, same thing here. So, it would be wishful thinking that their opponents would stop and leave them alone. But they continue on. And uh, I'll talk about that more a little bit at the very end here in a minute. But uh, uh, on your handout, number four, now we see a combined persecution. We've already somewhat saw that. Uh, but in verses 17 through 19 of Nehemiah 6 says, Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah. Now for you Bible students in here, you picked up on something. What did you pick up so far? Two words. Nobles. Nobles, that's one word. They, were, they didn't have their heart to, to the work when they started building the wall. Right. And here they are conspiring with the enemy. Right. And so we kind of saw them already in the last section, but here they are again. But there was two words I'm looking for. Those days. Those days. 
Okay, so for all your Bible students, you know those days are pretty well a reference or prophecy of the second coming. You'll see that over and over in the Old Testament. It talks about those days. You'll see a, a, a application that will take place during the tribulation period. And so, uh, so let's look at that in that light for just a minute. It says, moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah. Now, who's Tobiah? Come on. <laughs> He's the enemy. He's the enemy. You know why I know he's the enemy? Because it said that back in the previous chapters. But you know another reason why I know it's the enemy? In my Bible, I got it wrote down right there. The enemy. So I won't forget. Okay, so that's why you have a Bible with wide margins on it. You can take notes. You can take notes on Bibles that are not wide margin, but... You just don't have a lot of room to write them in there nice. So, so he is the enemy. So in those days, the nobles of Judah, like Roger was saying, the leaders of Judah, the nobles of Judah, sent many letters unto Tobiah, and he's the enemy. So that's what's going on there. But the those days in there is a reference to what again? The tribulation? So the Bible is just giving us some information that what's going to take place in the tribulation. The leaders and the nobles of Jerusalem of Israel are in cahoots with who? The enemy. Still. Okay? So that's... Uh, I didn't have that in my notes, but I'm going to just throw that out for free today. So just put that in the back of your mind however you want. It says, verse 18. Back to the passages. Well, let's, let's read this again. Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him. Again, who is he? The enemy. Why is there anybody in Israel that's allegiant to this guy if he's the enemy? But here it takes place. And he's the enemy or he, to this guy because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of and they reported his good deeds before me, and they uttered many words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. Verse 19. So Tobiah's connection with these nobles is, Tobiah becomes a son-in-law to a prominent Jewish leader in Israel. And again, who is he? I know, I keep beating on that. He's the enemy, but why is he an enemy? Because he's opposing God's people, and he's, uh, I gotta go back and think, he's either an Ammonite or a Moabite. Okay? And they are both enemies of God. The, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were restricted. They were told by, by God not to intermarry with other nations because they served false idols and God didn't want them mixing because he didn't want their hearts weighed. Can anybody give me an example of somebody in the Old Testament that their heart was swayed because they married outside of the Jewish uh, people? I like to ask questions in here so I may put people on the spot. but Samson. Samson. Okay, so... Um, yeah. So what was his wife? That, was it Delilah? Or are you thinking of, of the first wife? thinking Delilah. Okay. Because she wasn't Jewish, right? Yeah, I'd have to go back. Him to stay away from her. 
Right. And there's another wife, and I don't think she was Jewish either, the first one, the one that, that he never did end up with. So he would be an example. I'm thinking somebody a lot bigger stature than Samson. Who? Solomon. Solomon. The wisest man that ever lived, right? That's his name to fame, and yet he had 700 wives. I can tell you right now that is not smart. That is not smart, okay? But his wives turned him, and he started building uh, uh, temples for their his wife's gods. And before long, he's worshiping their gods. And because of that, God took the kingdom from him, or took most of the kingdom. The ten northern tribes were split off, not because... Um, Jeroboam and the group split off from Rehoboam when he when they got mad at him. He, God had already told Solomon, because you've done this, I'm going to take the majority of the kingdom away from you. But for my son David's sake, I'm going to leave Judah. I'm going to leave two tribes. That was a done deal because of him marrying outside of the Jewish race. And so here we're seeing this guy, Tobiah, is, is, has married a Jewish woman who is, her father is a prominent leader in the city and he is having connections with Tobiah. He, he's just treating him like, uh, he's telling him everything that, uh, Nehemiah is doing and then they're plotting against Nehemiah. Wow. And then not only that, but Tobiah's son had married a Jewish woman. So you got two people right here. And so you've got the enemy marrying into, and I was thinking about this this week. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a Jewish man marrying a Moabite like, like Ruth. Now you have a Jewish man giving his daughter up in marriage to a enemy of God, which was totally against the Old Testament law. And the only reason I could think that would happen was because the guy had a good personality. No. <laughs> you got it. The money. Yep. The money. That's the only thing that makes sense. This guy was willing to uh, basically prostitute his daughter out for money. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm seeing take place here. So there's a combined persecution with Tobiah and his son... And so, uh, because they have somehow infiltrated the Jewish race and in Jerusalem, and not only infiltrated it, I mean, they are, they are marrying women from high standing so they could have a connection with what's going on. And of course, that's what enemies do. They, they just kind of sneak in. So the enemies of the Israel, of the Israelites wanted to worry them. And they wanted the Israelites to fear. Now, why would they want to do that? Did anybody pick up on that when I read through that? Okay. All right. So I know, again, you guys are from Missouri. So let's look at this. Uh, number one, uh, they wanted them to fear. So there's two times that fear is, is in this. Uh, let's see. Verse 14 says... My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to their works and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets. So there's more people involved that would have put me in, what's it say? Fear. Fear. Now go down to verse 19. Also they reported his good deeds before me, which was, uh, uh, who are we talking about here? Tobiah. 
the enemy, and uttered my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. So you see fear twice, but it's, there's the word afraid is in here also. Go over to verse 9. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hand shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Remember all these things we've seen in the previous chapters. They were, they were sending to him, Hey, uh, we're going to send, there's going to be some bands from outside of Jerusalem, some of these, these other countries or other people, and they're going to come in and fight you guys when you guys are building the wall, and you won't even see them coming. They'll come in, they'll just clean your clock, they'll kill all of you. And that was to put fear and make them afraid. Now go down to verse 13. It says, Therefore was he hired that I should be, what? Afraid. The enemy always wants to get their opponent to be fearful or afraid. And you know what? In, 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 uh, in the New Testament, it talks about where does fear come from? There are types of, different types of fear. Um, I thought I had it in my notes here, but I don't see it. Um, didn't transfer that note in. There you go. That's the verse I'm looking for. So God does not give us, His children, the spirit of fear. That The fear that we have, as far as being afraid, comes from Satan. Now there is a fear of reverence that we should have. We should fear God. Because he is God and, you know, he controls things, but not, not in the afraid part like we're seeing here with Nehemiah. The enemy always wants to put you to fear. Same thing that happens here all the time. And I'll meddle for just a little bit. When we have elections that go on every four years or any elections anywhere, they fear people because, hey, this, this guy, my opponent, he wants to cut back on welfare and social security. What? Really? Has that ever happened? No. What's he trying to do? He's trying to make people afraid. Mm -hmm. And we see that all the time. The enemy always wants you to fear. He wants us to fear. He wants us to fear him. Okay? And so I see that over and over in the chapter. He wants Nehemiah to fear. He wants the people to be afraid. He wanted, uh, the enemy wanted them to stop the working on the wall and, and, you know, just Grab, grab your swords and stand around and wait for the armies to come in. And, but they didn't do that, did they? They, they kept working. They just strapped the sword on their side and they kept working. And in 52 days, like we saw, the wall was built. So Nehemiah's goal was to establish the wall, which he did, but that was, a, but he had a deeper goal than that. Remember, I think I talked about this last week at the end of the, end of the service. Nehemiah's, didn't just go back to Jerusalem to build the wall. You know, everybody, kids even know this in Sunday school. Oh yeah, I know Nehemiah, the story about Nehemiah, you went back and they built the wall. Commentators tell you that. People, oh yeah, Nehemiah's name to fame was, he went back and he built the wall. But that wasn't it. I mean, that was part of it. Nehemiah wanted to establish worship with the people and fellowship and worship with God. He wanted that to be established, and it hadn't happened yet. 
Because remember, he's back in Babylon or, or Persia at this point, and he's hearing uh, his brother came and gave a report what was going on in Israel, and he goes, man, conditions are bad, the walls are broken down, this is happening, that's happening. And you know what? You can't have true worship if your walls are all broken down and you have no defense and you're just flittering around, you know, you can't have true worship. Nehemiah's goal, and we'll see that as we go through the rest of the chapters, is not just to, not just to get the wall built, because if that's true, the book would have stopped. But we've got some more chapters to go. In fact, we're only halfway through. And so his goal was to establish worship between the people and God. That's really what he wanted to happen. Well, let's look at that on the flip side. The enemy's goal was to stop worship between people and God. Because again, if it was just the wall, they would have stopped. But we're going to see them continue in the rest of the book. No, no, no. Their goal was to stop the Jewish people from truly having true worship and worshiping God. And so I, I've said this before in the Old Testament when when uh, when God set up uh, the Israelites, He set up He set up uh, the temple or the tabernacle to start with. He set up the priest. He set up the economy. He set up hey, if you get in debt at the end of fifty years, everything gets reset. He set up the whole shmeal so it would run effectively and they would be able to worship God. Their crops would be good. Their life would be good. They'd have a great relationship. All they had to do was follow what God said. And you know how man does stuff. Messes them up. And so uh, Nehemiah is just wanting the Israelites to get back to where they're worshiping God the way they wanted to. The enemy wanted to stop that. Okay, so the enemy will try to stop us any way they can for as long as they can and they will never stop as long as Satan is in control of this world. Same way today. He'll try to stop Christians. He'll try to make us be afraid. He will, uh, he'll get us to the point, well, you know, we can't do that. I'm not, I don't know enough Bible to do that. I can't go to Africa if God wants me to be a missionary. I dare any of you guys in here to say that real loud. Now, that's kind of a joke I think I've talked with Paula because we've known several missionaries that go, I'll go anywhere but Africa. Guess where God sends them? God ends up sending them to Africa and yet we have some people in our own church that happened to. I don't think Randy and Julie wanted to go to Africa and yet they went even though they're back. But as long as Satan's in control of this world, he is going to continue to fight against God's people. Satan can't get our soul... But he can still cause you to go AWOL. He can still cause you to fear. He can still cause us to compromise. He can still uh, get us to take our focus off of Christ. And uh, But he can only do that if we allow him to do it. So we're going to see, I'm going to wrap up right there in uh, chapter uh, 6 today. And we're going to start chapter 7 next week. Uh, chapter 7 is more the spiritual part of what's going on. And so we'll see that in the rest. But the physical part, the wall's built. That part's done. So now we just go on to the next project that we need to do, that Nehemiah needs to do to get the people to, to, to get to the point where they're worshiping God and having fellowship the way that he wants them to. So, you know, uh, last week I also, I think I said... Uh, the people in here. So I'm sorry for you that wasn't in here last week. I keep referring back to last week. 
Um, probably because I've had a week to think about last week too. And I'm like, wow, I should have said this. I forgot to put that in. should have put this note in. I'm always like a day late and a dollar short. But anyway, I talked about last week, what's our plan? What does God have in our life to put in, in effect to build our walls, to build our defenses, to do what God wants us to do? And yet, I think we all see that. Okay, because we have discipleship in our church. We know we need to be in prayer. We need to be reading our Bible. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to be doing what God wants us to do. But we need to go a step farther than that. If you already know that, and you've, God has brought you up to like a more of an advanced position or, or a leadership position, now it's our job to help other people get to that point. So I think a lot of times I look at things like for my study, what I want to do, I need to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, or God's leading me to do that. And I'm like, okay, am I, am I leading though? Am I getting other people up to where they're going? And we have that in discipleship because that's what discipleship does. But we can't stop there. We got to keep that going all the time. Because if we don't, then we, we get a little older and most of us in this group are getting a little older every day. <laughs> And we need to train the younger group coming up behind us to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. We'll wrap up. Hey, I'm a couple minutes early. You know, uh, that's, that's wild. Pastor Brian got his handout done early and I'm leaving early. So miracles do happen, right? Okay. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the book of Nehemiah, Lord. I just pray that as we study this out and we read through it, Lord, we'd see applications uh, in our life and, and examples like Nehemiah that, that always goes to you in prayer and, and always rehearses things and, and always has an answer, it seems like, because he's prayed up and he, and he knows what you want him to do. And Lord, I just thank you that, uh, I just thank you for that example and I pray that would rub off on us, Lord, that, uh, we would know, uh, how to live our lives and when we have situations and problems in our life that we just go to you, go to your word, and I just pray that we would take what we learned from that, apply it to that problem, and, and just keep keep moving. So I, I pray that for our class. I pray that for our church, Lord, that we would be uh, obedient and just serving you and serving people. And I just ask you to give us a great day. Give Brian the words to say. And, uh, Lord, I just uh, I pray that the people that come today, if there's anyone here in the main service that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray they would just be obedient to the Holy Spirit and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So, Lord, I, I just uh, pray for the rest of the day and uh, give you honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I had to look it up. Tobiah was an Ammonite. He's the Ammonite. Yeah. Okay, so Sanballat's the Moabite. Okay, so...